The title of, of the sermon tonight is The Equality of the Body. Uh, and that is talking pertaining to the church. Uh, and if you don't know that you have a part in this church, then you're sadly mistaken. Uh, and tonight, hopefully, at the end, of, uh, by the time I get finished, you'll know that you are much needed here at Bluebell. Uh, I hope that you know that you're not just a bench warmer, uh, that you're not just a, a simple uh, a, a folk that comes in on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but you are a vital member of this church, and you are a vital member of the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you tonight with the Lord being my helper. Uh, if you have your Bibles uh, to Ephesians chapter 3, I'll have you to stand for the reverence of God's Word. Brother Joe, if we get some static off this mic, I lost the little uh, cover. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 1, and the Bible says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles, and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Notice that, by the gospel. What did I say this morning? You can have all kinds of points, you can have sub-points, but if the gospel is not the main point, then the message is totally out in left field. The gospel must be the main point. It said, by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Wherefore I desire that you uh, faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight as humble as we know how. Heavenly Father, I need you tonight. God, I know that I have no power within my own self. God, I know that I have no message within myself, Father. I know that I am just the messenger, Lord, uh, for Jesus Christ is the message. Uh, there is no other message to, to preach save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Father, I ask you tonight to fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Fill my mouth with the words to speak. God, I pray that you'd anoint the word tonight. I pray, God, that it would bless somebody's heart. And God, I pray that you'd bring us into unity uh, with this Holy Spirit of God tonight. We love you and we thank you for all that you do. Father, I put myself to the side that the power of God may be manifest here through me tonight. We thank you, Lord. Amen. I got a quote for you. No, it's not by Warren Wiersbe. <laughs> a famous quote. A quote that this country needs to get back to. A quote that Bluebell Free Will Baptist Church needs to exhort and live by. A quote by 
famous presidents of the United States of America. It says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Surely to goodness, if you are an American tonight, and if, you are, if you've been in America for very long, you have heard the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. For that is why many immigrants come to America. It's for these certain unalienable rights, so that they might pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Friend, let me tell you tonight that all three of those are found in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There can be no unity apart from the gospel. There can be no unity apart from Jesus Christ. There can be no unity apart from the Holy Spirit of God. And that is what Paul is preaching to us and telling us in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. We find that Paul, he was a prisoner uh, to, uh, of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. What was he saying? He was saying that the will of God made him a prisoner in order for him to accomplish the will of God uh, by the power and the uh, uh, spirit of God, not by man's wisdom, uh, not with many words, uh, enticing words, but by the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost of God. He was sent to the Gentile people to bring unity. He was brought to the Gentile people by Jesus Christ off of the road of Damascus to preach these unalienable rights. Amen. If you are a born-again child of God, I believe you have certain unalienable rights. Amen. The promise of God, every promise in the Word of God is yours for the taking. That among these, this is a little heaven on earth, if you will, that we might have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, the pursuit of happiness might look different. If you're a born-again child of God, God is not going to just give you everything that you want. He's not going to give you a 3,000-square-foot home and $300,000 vehicles and $150,000 boats and all these things. But if you work for Him, God may bless you with those things. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with those things. But if you expect God to be a genie in the bottle to give you everything that you want, then, friend, you are serving a dead God. But tonight, and much more, shall I say, you're serving yourself. Uh, because all, uh, uh, a lot of people think that I can get gain. Amen. I can get these things. I can do this and I can do that. But the life that we have is only through Jesus Christ. Because He is the life. Amen. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if we are born again, if we are a part of the body of Christ, uh, if you are living and breathing today, your body has life in it. If you are born again, if you are a part of the body of Christ, let me tell you something, there is life in the body of Christ. Every member has life. If you're a little toe, you have life in you. And I'll get to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it says even the uncomely parts has a duty and an obligation in the body of Christ. You might think of yourself as an uncomely part, but friend, let me tell you something. You are an extremely important part in the body of Christ because you have life in you.
You don't have your life. You have Christ's life. You have the life of the Word. The Word of life. Not only that, you have liberty. Amen? Not to do as you please, but to do as God wills. Amen? Uh, we are not to live to self. We are not to live uh, to please our, our, our desires. And, and we are not to live uh, uh, for our uh, own uh, uh, sinful lust. But we are to live by the will of God. We are to have our liberty uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty, meaning there is liberty to do what God has called you to do. Friend, if you're a child of God tonight, you have the liberty to do as God wills in your life. Whatever God puts on your heart, if it's a testimony, if it's a prayer for somebody, if it's to go door knocking, if it's to sing a song, if it's to play an instrument, if it's to preach, if it's to teach, if it's to uh, take care of somebody, and the list could go on and on, but if you have been called by God to do this, God has given you the liberty to do that which He has called. Amen. And where He calls, He will provide. I promise you. I promise you. Where He calls and what He calleth, He will provide. You think, well, I'm not smart enough to teach. Well, bless God, if you'll just take a step of faith and if you'll just start, God will give you the knowledge and how to teach somebody the Word of God. You think, well, I, I, I can't read and I can't talk. I can't talk plain. Well, He used Moses. He used a donkey's mouth, amen, to, to speak to somebody. Friend, there must be unity in the body of Christ if we're going to see the gospel, uh, uh, if we're going to see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished. We have very limited days on this earth. I've, I truly believe that with all my heart. We have very limited amount of days to do the work of God while it is day. Jesus said, for night cometh when no man can work. And I fear that night is coming. Very quickly. And so if you are in the body of Christ, now is the time to find what God has called you to do. Now it's time to, to ask ourselves, how can I be an effective part in the body of Christ? Notice what verse 7 said. He said, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Meaning His effectiveness. It's the effectiveness of of His power. And listen, there is no power under heaven that is more effective than the power of the grace of God. Amen. I've got a, 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 a Bible study that I, I'm, uh, that I read through. Uh, it's on the book of Ephesians. And I found these uh, couple things interesting. The three, three, the three themes occupy Paul in this passage, which are revelation, apostleship, and the servant nature of the church. Church, if you belong to Bluebell, we ought to be servants one to another. Because if we can't serve one another in here, then you will never serve anybody out there. Never. If we never embody the servanthood of Christ in the body of Christ as the local assembly, we will never be able to serve our brother and our neighbor in the community. We must have that servant nature in our church. The, uh, the word mystery means that God's eternal plan that now must be made known to the Gentiles. See, the Jews, they had all the promises. They had the riches of God. 
Uh, they had all the blessings of God. They had uh, the seven covenants that were before Christ. They they embodied those covenants. They had those promises. Uh, and uh, when God uh, gave the covenant to Abraham, it was two Abraham's sons and his generation. But when Christ came, he fulfilled that covenant that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and shall become sons and daughters of Abraham. And we shall inherit those promises. He is bringing unity. And this is just kind of following back on what uh, uh, Philipp, uh, or Ephesians chapter 2 uh, uh, was teaching us there at the end. that uh, How that Christ, he, he broke down that middle wall of partition and, and he uh, um, made in himself of twain one new man. He, he done all this. Uh, he brought the Jews and the Gentiles together by the cross. Friend, if the cross is never mentioned, if the gospel is never mentioned, if the Holy Spirit of God is not in a church, there will be no unity. Like I told you this morning, the cross is what bridged the gap, is what unified the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Old Testament was pointing to a coming king, and the New Testament is pointing to a returning king. Amen? And he's coming back. I believe that. But you know who he's coming back for? He's coming back for the body of Christ that are united in him. He's coming back for the bride of Christ who have became one. Amen? As twain. Listen, it don't matter if you're Church of Christ, Church of God, Assemblies of God, United Methodist, Catholic. If you are born again... And truly living by the will of God, friend, you're a part of the body of Christ. But if you think that your denomination is going to get you to heaven, friend, you'll be a part that is cut off. You'll be a part. If you think that your singing will get you to heaven or your uh, musical talent will get you to heaven, if you think that your doctrinal uh, beliefs will get you to heaven, friend, you are sadly mistaken because it only comes by the way of the gospel. I told the church this morning... That God has dealt with my heart. That no matter what message I preach, whether I have five points or three points or sub-points or no sub-points, if the main point is not the gospel, then I'm not really preached. Tonight, even preaching the unity of the body of Christ, there can be no unity if we do not stand upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Well, I try to preach it to you this morning. I'll remind you. It is the birth, life, death, and resurrection of the man, Jesus Christ. He was 100% man, lived a sinless and perfect life, became sin for us to die a sinner's death, to atone the sin debt that we had, to bring reconciliation, unity, man to God. And He resurrected to give us the promise of life everlasting. That's the gospel. All these other doctrinal statements uh, 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 of Southern Baptists and Church of God that you have to speak in tongues and, and all these other doctrinal... It don't amount to a hill of beans. It don't really matter. What matters is the gospel. Because the gospel don't change. The gospel has never changed from the foundation of the world. John Calvin had his ideas. John Wesley had his ideas. Charles Wesley had his ideas. 
Other great men, uh, Charles Hagden Spurgeon had his ideas of uh, of his beliefs, and and we we've seen. Uh, uh, I can't think of the name right off. Uh, the Book of Mormon, the guy that wrote it, he had his ideas of, of what he thought Christianity really was. But friend, what doesn't, those things don't matter. What matters is the gospel. If you can't believe the gospel, then you ain't a part of the body of Christ. That's what Paul was saying. He said, it don't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It don't matter how you believe. Uh, what matters is if you believe the gospel. Because... Eternal security don't save you. Losing your salvation don't save you. Speaking in tongues don't save you. Baptism don't save you. Door knocking don't save you. Your works don't save you. What saves you is if you believe on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that He lived a perfect life for you and He died your sin. He died for your sin to reconcile you back unto God, to bring unity and fellowship and harmony back to man and God as it was in the beginning days with Adam and Eve when God walked and spoke to them in the cool of the morning. Friend, that's the kind of relationship Jesus Christ desires to have with His body, with His people, is that He can get up in the morning and walk and talk in the cool of the morning and have a tender and intimate relationship with the body of Christ. And how can we do that? It's by the gospel. Notice in verse uh, number 6, he said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. By the gospel. I'm still preaching Ephesians 3. I've not got anywhere, uh, I've not got away from Ephesians 3. I'm preaching to you exactly what Paul preached to the Jews. He told them exactly what I just told you. It doesn't matter that the Gentiles believe different than you. It's okay if the Gentiles eat pork. It's okay if the Gentiles eat unclean things. For what they have, what they have partaken of Christ accomplished on the cross, that they could be made joint heirs with Him. What matters is the gospel tonight. Now, some might argue that these other doctrinal statements will matter, but and maybe to some it does, but it don't matter to go to heaven. It don't. If you're truly born again, if you've came by the way of the cross and you've accepted the remission of sins and Christ's atonement and sacrifice on the cross, friend, my Bible says you're saved. My Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My Bible also teaches me that if a man believes on his heart and righteousness, with the mouth confessions made, unto salvation. Now obviously you can profess and have no works, but friend, if you truly profess and you truly believe in your heart unto righteousness, friend, you're saved. You're born again on your way to heaven. And that's how we must have unity in the body of Christ. You know how you have unity in the church? You get your church folk saved. I'm being honest to you. You know why churches split? You know why churches uh, have so much problems and turmoil? Because church members need to get right with God. Because if you're right with God, you will possess the love 
of the Spirit. You will have the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance. Amen? If you are born again, friend, if you possess it and you do not bear the fruits of the Spirit, friend, you ain't saved. You are not saved and you are not going to heaven until you get right with God. And you cannot have unity in the church until the church possesses the fruits of the Spirit. And the only way the church is ever going to possess the fruits of the Spirit is if they give their hearts and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's why Paul Washer preaches the gospel most every time he preaches. Because he knows that there are so many professing Christians who know not the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christian, uh, the, the term Christian is a, another label for people, especially in the South, uh, uh, probably from the South to... I'd say Oklahoma. Uh, I know that this may be the buckle of the Bible Belt. I don't really know. But I know where I was from. It was a very well-populated area uh, and known as the Bible Belt uh, of America. But Christian, the, the, and I'm not talking about Christianity because that's totally different than calling yourself Christian. But if you call yourself a Christian today, it just simply means that you grew up in church. doesn't mean that you still go. It just means you heard some preaching, heard some Southern gospel singing or contemporary worship, or you heard a, a, a feel-good sermon, or you watched some Joe Osteen or Creflo Dollar or Kenneth Copeland, and you call yourself a Christian. It don't work that way. That ain't Bible. Now, it does say, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing of the word of God. But you got to do a lot more than hearing. I can hear my wife talk all, all day long, but it, it can go in one ear and out the other. But when I stop and I listen to her, when you listen to something, there's an action that follows. Amen? When, when you hear, there's no action that follows what you heard. But when you listen, there's an action that follows that. In order to have unity in the church, we have to listen to the Word of God that produces faith and it will produce repentance where there's sin. Because if there's sin in your life, it means you don't line up with the book. And in order to line up with the book, there must be repentance. And in order to have unity in the body, there must be repentance. That's what Paul was telling them. You Jews... If you want to be a part of the body of Christ and be partakers of His promise, you must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what He told the Gentiles too. But He was a prisoner to the Gentiles because, well, He was a prominent Jew. He was a man of great authority uh, in the Pharisee religion. But God humbled Him, took Him by way of a captive into Rome, and that's where he was able to uh, do a lot of his ministry. But he was a prisoner before he got to the church at Ephesus. Anyway, that's where that, this letter came from. He was in prison when he wrote the letter. Because of sin, all men, Jew and Gentile, stand in equal need of salvation. And because of Christ, have equal access to it. Ain't that amazing? That totally blows my mind that somebody who grew up poor, not having very much, can inherit the same blessing and riches as the child who grew up 
with a silver spoon in his or her mouth and received all manner of material blessings. And I, I reference that person as the Jews because really they were considered uh, better than the Gentiles, if you will. Or at least they thought of themselves better. They thought that they, because they had the promises of Abraham and uh, of the law of Moses and things, they considered themselves better off than the Gentiles. But the Gentiles, the washpot of, uh, of the earth, God has brought them and the Jews together in Christ, and they've been made one by the cross. Therefore, they inherit the same spiritual blessings, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The enemy, the enemy of faith is not suffering and hardship. These, in fact, are the crown and glory of discipleship. For they mean that one is counted worthy to suffer on Christ's behalf. The enemy of faith is discouragement. Or as the Greek implies, losing heart. The enemy of faith is discouragement. I believe discouragement has taken a grip on many of our churches in the last 20 years. I told you this morning about a gentleman that I witnessed to. Told me that at 10 years old, the pastor's wife done something that hurt his feelings. Uh, and he left the church and he's never been back. Over 35 years ago. Talked to a man yesterday at the farmer's market. He said that he was raised in church and said the pastor and the deacons asked him to never come back because he was dancing in their service. He said, I was 13 years old. He didn't tell me his age now, but he looked to be in his early 70s. Never darkened the door of a church since he was 13 years old. Why? Because there ain't no unity. Because there ain't no fruit of the Spirit. Because there's discouragement that's set in and many people have lost heart. We don't see results. Listen, a lot of people's excited to come to Bluebell because we see God moving. We see God working. But what if God ain't moving and working the way that He has over the last few months? Are we going to lose heart? Are we going to get discouraged? Or are we going to be unified and strong and stand on the Word of God knowing that God's word is true, and regardless if he's uh, uh, winning souls every service or whether uh, I'm baptizing somebody every month or whether we're buying Bibles every month or whatever, we know that God is still good and God will forever be good and God will forever bless us if we will be faithful to Him. Even in the hard times, friend, there must be unity. Even when the devil tries to creep in the door, in order for a church to be strong, it's not strong in number, it's strong in faith. It's strong in unity. And there can be strong unity where there's a congregation of 10 or 12 a lot better than a congregation of three to 400. I'm not talking bad about churches that have big number. And I'm not talking great about churches with little number. But I'm saying that the number doesn't matter. What matters is the Word of God, the Spirit that is in the church, and the unity that follows. 
Dr. Warren Wiersbe, here it is. <laughs> Said that the mystery was imparted to four groups of people in this chapter. It was important to four groups of people. I'm having such a good time, I'll probably be on this next Sunday. Number one, it was important to Paul because Paul was a chief Jew. Paul was a prisoner in Jerusalem and Rome because of his service to Jesus Christ, but he was able to defend himself by his personal testimony, Acts 26. But when he mentioned that the grace of God came for the Gentiles also, instead of releasing Paul, they kept him imprisoned. The rest of the book of Acts explains how Paul got from Jerusalem to Rome. Had Paul compromised his message, this is what a lot of people's doing. Had Paul compromised his message and encouraged the bad behaviors of the Jews, they wouldn't have kept him in prison. Dis discouraging times wouldn't have came. Probably if he would have compromised, he would be living the high life. He wouldn't have had to darken the door of a jail cell. He sure wouldn't have to eat jail food. Sure didn't have to miss a bath or meals for days. But he chose the sufferings of Christ that he might win the lost. Paul also was a minister of the mystery to the Gentiles. It was not enough simply to win them to Christ and uh, form them into local assemblies. He was also to teach them their wonderful position in Christ as members of the body, sharing God's grace equally with the Jews. Second of all, it was important to the Gentiles. By faith, everyone who believes in Christ becomes the children of Abraham, which inherit the covenant blessing. Galatians chapter 3, verses 14. Quite a bit of reading for you tonight. Get your Bible reading in for the day. For some of you, it might be your Bible reading for tomorrow. I don't know. Galatians chapter 3. I mean, uh, yeah, chapter 3. Verse 14. It says, That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto his seeds as of many, but as of one. And to, uh, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore, then serveth the law. It was added because of the transgressions uh, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should uh, afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, 
that we might be justified by faith. But after that, uh, faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we see that uh, it was important to the Gentiles because they have received something that they have never had throughout their history. The Gentiles were made fellow heirs with the Jews to enjoy the spiritual riches of God uh, that He gave them. Not only are they fellow heirs, but they are fellow members of the body of Christ. So they were equally as important for the ministry of the gospel that the Jews were. Probably more so. Because the Jews, they denied the Son of God. They rejected Him. Many of them. Some of them were converted. Some of them uh, came to Christ. Whereas we said, understanding the deep truths of God's Word does not give a man a big head, but rather it gives him a broken and contrite heart. The more Word that we know, the less we'll be puffed up in ourselves. Amen? I, I, and this goes to uh, testify of a man uh, back home in Tennessee. He was a church God pastor. And uh, I love to hear him preach. Because he could almost quote from Genesis to Revelation, it seemed like. And once he got started, he couldn't stop. I mean, the Holy Spirit would just fall on him, and he would just start quoting, quoting scriptures left and right. But one day, and, and this is his own personal testimony, one day he said that uh, something just came over him, and it made him feel so prideful to quote as many scriptures as he did to memorize so many scriptures as he did. And he said, I told myself that day that I wouldn't quote as much scripture in my sermons anymore because I felt that it was boasting in myself. But you know what? God got a hold of him. And it wasn't his doing that memorized the scripture. It was the power of God. It was the power of God. So every time that he would step behind a pulpit... God would endow him with the power by the grace of God to preach the Scripture. Once he And some of you might have heard some great preachers who can sing the Scriptures. I know one, uh, Dr. Mike Blanton from uh, uh, Grove City, Ohio. He can quote a chapter out of the book and he'll sing it. He can sing Psalm 23. It's beautiful. But it's not in him, and he'll tell you, it's not in him that taught himself that. It's the power of the working of the Holy, God, Holy Ghost of God. We are fellow members. And therefore, knowing the deep truths of God's Word will not, it should not give us a big head, but rather a broken and contrite heart. Thirdly tonight, it's important to the angels, and I won't tell you here, the heavenly angels see the wisdom of God and the repentance of unbelievers and they are looking into the salvation and praising God when one repents. It's important to the, to the angels. They desire to have it because they were created to sing holy, holy, holy. 
to who was, who is, and is to come. That's the angel's job. That's why God created them. Was that they would sing His praises from eternity to eternity. The devil's angels have learned from God's manifold wisdom that their leader, Satan, has no wisdom at all. Satan cannot understand the truth that Jews and Gentiles have been united to one body in Jesus Christ. Lastly tonight, and I'll close with this, the unity of the body, the equality of the body of Christ should be important to Christians today because the mystery of Christ is like the Rosetta Stone. It helped, and some of you may not know what the actual Rosetta Stone is. It's what helped the Egyptians understand hieroglyphics. It is the key to what He promised in the Old Testament, what Christ did in the Gospels, what the early church did in the book of Acts, what Paul and the other writers teach in the epistles, and what God will do as recorded in the book of Revelation. Meaning that if we are a part of the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God can give us understanding of all these things. Because all these things are spiritually written for our instruction. So they must be spiritually discerned. An unborn believer, a, a, a non-regenerate person cannot understand the prophecies of the Old Testament, nor the prophecies of His coming in the book of Revelation, what will unfold. But a born-again child of God can because we're on the inner circle. We're in the body of Christ. We have the direct line of wisdom from Jesus Himself because He is the head of the church, right? And all the wisdom in our body that functions our fingers and our toes and, and tells our heart to beat and tells our blood to pump and, and works every movement of our body is our head, is our brain. And Christ, He is that brain. He is full of the wisdom and the knowledge and the power of God. Therefore, He is able to qualify you. He is able to equip you with what He has called you to do. Without Him, there's no unity. God did not have a secret. But now, uh, God did have a secret. And it was only revealed to those He cho chose in the Old Testament. But now it is manifested so that we can share in this secret and share this blessing with others. We ought to want to tell people. And I had more scripture, but for the sake of time, I'm going to close tonight. I'll get into the 1 Corinthians 12 next Sunday. Because it's all about the body and how the body works, how the body of Christ works. And listen, it's very important that we understand that. But tonight, I hope that you understand that we are all equal. Just because John is the lead choir director and, and he, he does a, a great job and, and Miss Sue is our pianist and she does a great job playing, it doesn't mean that they're any more important than any of you sitting in those pews tonight. But they're living out what God's called them to do. They know in whom they have believed. They know what God has called them to do. Just because I'm the pastor of this church doesn't make me any better than you. Doesn't mean that I'm a dictator. Doesn't mean that I, 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 I'm an authoritarian. But rather it means that I'm just a working body member uh, that I'm trying to work together with you for the same prize. And that prize is Jesus Christ. I'm no better than you, but I'm no less than you either. 
Sorry, that busted your bubble. But Because in Christ, we are all made one. And the number one, it can be no greater or less than itself. We are one in Christ. There's unity in the Spirit of God. In order to have it in the church, we must have the Spirit of God and the fruits of the Spirit. That can only come by the way of the gospel. Never forget that. Never forget that what we have and what we do. Miss Sue couldn't play the piano without the gospel. Well, she could, but it wouldn't be for the glory of God. But even God gives the worldly musicians their talent. See, we could do great things, but even if we did, it would be God who allowed us to. So why not just do great things for Him, amen? amen. I mean, you can do great things in and of yourself, but it's God that gives you the ability. So why not just use your ability and your talent for Him? Just glorify Him. Just worship Him with what He's given you. It might just be to talk to somebody. And I'm looking at Mr. Don Kinsey, and I ain't trying to embarrass him tonight. But he's a good talker. I mean, really, and, and I'm not trying to talk bad about him or anything like that. He's a good talker because you might be having a rough day. You might be discouraged. You might have some troubles going on in your life, but I promise you, Don Kinsey will make you laugh. He'll do something to cheer you up. He'll do something to get you going. Because he, he'll be a friend to you. Some look at talking too much as a curse or uh, uncomely part, but friend, it's needed because you might not feel like talking. But the Bible says laughter doth good like a medicine. You might be depressed and listen. If I'm if I'm going through something. I don't want to share it with anybody. It, it takes a lot to go to my wife and open up to her. Why is that? I don't understand that. Why it's so hard for husbands to open up to their wives and wives to their husbands. I, I never understand that. But it, it, if there's unity in the marriage, you've got to be open and transparent. you got to. If you're going to be a unity in the church and with Him, there has to be open and honest communication. That means when you're in fault... Repent. Repent. If you've done something against your neighbor, repent. And I ain't talking about to God. I'm talking about go to that person. Ask them to forgive you. And then ask God to forgive you. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. Anyway, there's other people here tonight that I'm looking, and you, you may think that you're not important, but listen, you are vitally important to this church. You have to know that in yourself. And you have to seek God's wisdom to know how He can bless you and use you with your talents and your gifts. That's what this message is all about, is working together as the body of Christ.